Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Sharon Gless is the author of Apparently There Were Complaints, a memoir. Sharon was born into a prominent Hollywood family and always knew she wanted to be an actress. She was an exclusive contract player for Universal Studios from 1972 until 1982 when the studio ended all talent contracts. She was the last contract player in the history of Hollywood. While at Universal, Gless appeared on series such as The Rockford Files, Kojak, The Bob Newhart Show, and Switch, among others. In 1982, she accepted the role of Cagney in Cagney and Lacey, winning two Emmy Awards and a Golden Globe Award for Best Leading Actress in a Drama Series, followed shortly by a Golden Globe win for her lead role in The Trials of Rosie O'Neill. In 2000, Gless was cast as Debbie Novotny in Queer as Folk, which ran for five seasons, after which she co-starred for seven seasons in her Emmy-nominated role on Burn Notice. She has 11 Emmy and seven Golden Globe nominations. Gless married Barney Rosenzweig, the executive producer of Cagney and Lacey, in 1991, and they've been together for 30 years. She currently resides both in Los Angeles and on Fisher Island off the coast of Miami, Florida. 
welcome, Sharon, and we'll talk about your book and your life a little bit, and it'll be painless and, and fast and fun. How about that? Thank you. Thank you for all you do for, for us, for us authors. You're welcome. I, I, I didn't enjoy being a writer, but I am enjoying being an author. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Well, welcome, Sharon. Thanks for coming on. Tell me, wait, why do you not like being a writer, but you do like being an author? That's interesting. Well, writing was, uh, the skill did not come easily to me and it took me seven years to do it. Wow. But now that it's over and I had wonderful publicists, Simon and Schuster, who were, who were very patient with me, they kept throwing out things. <laughs> but now that it's over and I get to talk to you <laughs> and the response has been so good, it's nice being an author. It's nice that it's done and the response has been favorable. It's like going to the gym. It's like nice once you've already finished it, right? But maybe right. when you're there, it's not always the most fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But what an accomplishment. Thank you. So why why spend seven years writing your memoir? Apparently there were complaints. Why what was it inside you that made you want to get your story out there? Well, how I came by it was I, I was just finishing up a series called The Burn Notice. And it was a seven year series on on USA. And it was about to end. And CBS invited me in for a meeting. I thought, oh, this is cool. <laughs> okay. So I went in. The president of Simon Schuster, president of CBS, held the meeting in her office. And which is, they never hold them in their office. They like to leave, you know. But she held them <laughs> in her office and had the head of comedy, the head of drama, the head of new shows. And I was there for an hour and answering all the appropriate questions. And, and, uh, Anyway, trying to entertain them. And at the end of the series, end of the meeting, oh, the nicest thing was that when I walked in, uh, Nina Tassler, the president of CBS, said, welcome home, Sharon. Oh. And I thought, that's so cool. Cagney and Lacey was there. And I've done many series on CBS, but not in a long time. And they welcomed me home. So I thought, oh, this is going to be so cool, right? I want to walk out of here with a book, with a series deal. And at the end of the meeting, she said, Sharon, you know, we own Simon & Schuster. I said, I didn't know that, Nina. And she said, well, we do. And I think you have a book in you. I said, Nina, you know, I'm really, I'm not a writer. And she said, no, but you're a storyteller. So she said, I'm going to have the head of Simon & Schuster call you. And that's what happened. The next day, the head of Simon Schuster contacted me and asked me the next time I was in New York if I would come and meet with him. And I did. And while I was there, I read one of my chapters to him. And he signed me that day and also signed me to an audio deal because the way I read the one chapter I'd prepared for him made his secretary down the whole lap. <laughs> so, and that's how it started. That for a year, I'd let it go. I didn't, I just, really was not interested mm -hmm. in doing a book deal, but it was nice. I had it in the back of my pocket. And um, after a year, I thought, well, I'm not so busy. I didn't get that series I wanted. So I started and it was slow. <laughs> my husband would tell me I, for my birthday, he said, I want 30 pages. <laughs> so I said, all right. So I'd write 30 pages, triple spaced, huge prints, you know, <laughs> and I did, the, I gave him that and I had done the chapter I read to Jonathan Carp at, at um, Simon Schuster and it was slow going. People kept, it's in my book, but 
people kept dying in my life. And that would set me back a piece. And But slowly and surely, slowly and surely it came along. I had boxes and boxes and boxes of pages, wow. which I'll never throw away. You know, it just was too, it was, the work was hard and eventually impressive, I thought. And so I kept it for my heirs. Wow. The stuff that, the stuff that you'll never see. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I understand. There has yeah. to be uh, some filtering. Not everything is ready for prime time, right? Right. Now. Exactly. Well, Sharon, I was so impressed, particularly by the early sections of your relationship with your grandmother and your body and your eating and the debutante ball and dieting and ratcheting back and forth and sort of the, your whole self-image and self-worth and how all of that conspired to you know, make you who you are. Can you talk a little bit about, about that and, and your grandmother and, and the effect of all of that scrutiny on you? Well, the, uh, I should tell you, the, I came up with the title first. And what made it, certainly not easy, but the title informed the piece. And there were a lot of complaints about me. And I remembered all of them. <laughs> my best friend used to take notes whenever I talked to her. She said, that's such a good story. You should write a book one day. And she kept all these notes. So I referred to the notes. But the real complaints were deep, deep, deep in my psyche. You know, where you still, I'm still the fat girl. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to use a modulated tone when I speak to you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm rattling on. I needed to tell you about the title, which informed the book, and it's all about the complaints that... I totally understand. Happened. I totally understand. Forgive yeah. me, you would ask me... No, no, I was just... I wanted just to hear a little bit more about... I mean, I had a grandmother, too, who I loved very dearly and was... You know, even this morning, I was thinking to myself... If she were looking at me today, she would have something to say about what I look like. She would say, like, I think it's time. You know, you better get back to the gym. Or, like, you know, you know I just my, – my appearance was always on the table to right. be discussed and picked apart and is was some sort of reflection on her in some way, even though that doesn't make much sense. So, I anyway – Perfect sense to me. Where are you from? I'm from New York, but my ah. grandmother is from – she was born in Cincinnati and lived her whole life in Dayton, Ohio. Ah, I was in Dayton, Ohio once. Oh, yeah? Well. The only place in Ohio I've ever been. Yeah. Well, me, me too, basically. I mean, yeah. you know, the, not, uh, not too much there. But anyway, all to say I related a lot to you and your grandmother and particularly your your time where you were basically starving yourself for the debutante ball and then the, right. what happened after and just having all that focus on you and your body from a young age. Yeah. She, she locked me up in the <laughs> house in Carmel. I had just graduated from a boarding school and she moved me into her house because the ball was coming up that next December. And I remember her saying, I'll be damned if you're going to walk up there looking like Moby Dick because, you know, we all wore white gowns. And so she moved me into her house and she used to make me chew to a metronome and she made me eat with chopsticks because I gobbled my food. There was always something always something I was doing wrong. And yet I know she loved me. You know, it's, I led a, my parents had no money, but my grandparents did. And they held the purse strings and I had to dance. I had to dance, Ibby. When someone else holds the purse strings and they're running your life in your school and your clothes and, and everything you do, in this particular case to which you're referring, the debutante ball, I 
had to put myself in her hands. I loved her. I wanted her to love me. I wanted her to be proud of me. But I never quite mustered up, you know, like the other grandchildren. (laughs) But I seemed to have been her favorite. So she took me to task and she was very strict. But she took 40 pounds off of me. And I think in my book, I tell the moment that I wanted her to see me in my gown, which she also paid for. I didn't want to just walk out there that evening and have her see me for the first time. I thought she should see me alone. And so I talk about there was a cocktail party. All the debutantes were just sort of left by themselves. And the the parents and grandparents were having their cocktail hour. We were told to stay away. Of course, immediately I went immediately to the room where the parents and grandparents were, where I was not supposed to go. And I (laughs) knocked on the door and my mean old aunt happened to be the one who answered it. And she said, what do you want? You're not supposed to be here. I said, I want to see my grandmother. And she said, you're not supposed to be here. I said, I want to see my grandmother. It was her mother also. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother came to the door and she wasn't angry that I defied the rules. She looked me up and down and just nodded. Yes, you look lovely. That will be fine. That was it, you know. I said, oh, thank you, Grammy. It meant so much to me. And the next day she called me and she said, Sharon, Grammy, a lot of people were complimenting me last night on how lovely you looked. Mm. And she thought, I, she said, I think the praise was misplaced. You are the one who did it. And the compliment should go to you. And I don't you know. I, I said, oh, Grimmy, thank you so much. And she said, that would be all. And she hung up the phone. <laughs> she, I make her sound like some ogre. She wasn't. She was cold and strong and, and demanding. And when you hold the purse strings, Zibby, you have the power. And then soon after this, though, didn't she, didn't you end up moving to the La Brea, not the La Brea, the, um, what, what is it called? The La Brea Towers. La Brea Towers. Right. Yeah. That was before my, my parents got divorced while I was in boarding school. And I was raised in my grandmother's home that she had built and raised her children in. And after my parents divorced, I was like 15, my grandmother sold the house. So, I mean, it sounds like poor little rich girl, boo-hoo. And I don't mean it that way. It's just that I'd lost my parents. I was locked up in a convent school. And now I was losing the home. That was all I knew. And so my grandmother bought my mom an apartment in the Park Brea Towers. But I was in boarding school, so I didn't really live there. But when I'd come home to L.A. for vacations, I'd have to stay there. And I hated it. You know, I missed my father and missed my older brother. And I guess you could say I was spoiled, but I don't think anyone would ever describe me as someone who conducted themselves as a spoiled child. I just was used to a certain life and certain people in my life, and it all was gone. I feel like there were always so many limits on you, though. It was never unrestricted. It's like, you can be in the house, but you can't be over here. You can be oh, in my side. grandmother's house? Yeah. Yes, we were moved into my grandmother's house when I guess I was two. And uh, yes, there were off-limit parts of the house. Her her quarters, we called her quarters, we were never allowed in. It was half the house. And we weren't allowed in the formal living room. We weren't allowed in her formal bedroom. We, But... 
we had a swimming pool, beautiful swimming pool in the old days when they were those big, long, rectangular things without heaters and filters. And we had a badminton court and we had a tetherball court. And we, I mean, we had really swell things. We were hardly <laughs> deprived. But there were certain places that were off limits. But when my grandmother was gone out of town, which was most of the time, I would sneak into her bedroom and I'd feel the felt, her walls were gray felt. And I'd just run my hands up and down the walls and, and look at all her perfumes and things on this mirror, long, long mirror. You know, a makeup table went from one side of the room to the other. And she had satin sheets. And once I stripped down naked and crawled in just to see what that felt like. It's so exciting. This probably all sounds very sophomore to you, but I was not young. at all. I love it. it you know, yeah. it was it was another time, and it was another era, and it was forbidden. You know, which made it even more exciting. Yes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So... After this childhood, going through your whole life, you had this obviously super successful actress, career, everything. So much happened, so much drama. And here we are now today. How do you feel now, reflecting back on all of this, about even something as simple or not simple as how you feel in your body and how the world sees you and your weight and image and all of that? I don't think I ever got comfortable with my body. I'm half Irish, a quarter Basque, French Basque, sheep herders, and a quarter English. And I have a Zoftic body on me. There was an era during, I did a series called The Trials of Rosie O'Neill, which I've been watching lately. My husband developed for me and it ran two years. I was so thin. And sometimes I just put it on just to see, my God, what I was capable of, you know? But most of my life, uh, it's how I look now. Even as Christine Cagney, I was young enough where my body was good to me. You know, I could eat and drink and, and didn't pay the price. But as I got older 
as I say, I was obese in boarding school. And then after my 30s, into my 40s, I gave up smoking and I got fat again. 40s, 50s, I got fat again. And I went on to do a series called Queer as Folk. And I wrote the, I went after it. I wanted the role, but I was 200 pounds now by then. And, you know, it's okay for everybody but the blonde <laughs> to be heavy. I swear <laughs> to God, you know? At any rate, I, I called the producers from Queerest Folk because I wanted the show. And Showtime gave it to me. And they said, would you mind meeting the producers before we go ahead? We don't want to just run roughshod over them. I said, not at all. So they flew me out. And I got on the phone and I said to the producers before I got on a plane, I said, do you know what I look like? They said, yes, we do. We saw you and Ty and Daly do an AIDS benefit in Los Angeles. And I said, OK, as long as you understand. And when they met me, they said, Sharon, it's not your body that we want. I know this is a shock to you, <laughs> the blonde but it's your heart we want for this role. Mm. I said, okay, sign me in, coach. And my weight would go up and down during Queer's Folk. And these guys were so loving, the producers, Ron Cowan and Dan Lipman, that they would have my character. If I was really losing weight, they had me eating a little piece of chicken at my kitchen table with a little bit of spinach. The character, yeah, right? If they saw that I was putting on my weight, they just had me eat ice cream out of a container. So they they never scolded me. They just accommodated Debbie was my character's name. Just accommodated Debbie's eating habits. Whatever size I was, they just put the appropriate food in me in front of me. And I do scenes like that. Oh my gosh, I love it. I know. <laughs> so in that particular case, there weren't complaints. They just explained it on film with whatever was I was shoveling into my mouth. Now, I take that as a compliment as my ability as an actress that they accommodate stuff like that with me. That's amazing. Because they wanted something else. They wanted the heart. What is your next actress acting project? I don't know. After I did that show, I did seven, eight years on um, Burn Notice, mm -hmm. a spy show in Miami. And then after that ended, I started this book. But... I have not been working since I started this book, and I'm ready to go back. Somebody did a, um, let me know if I'm talking too much. because no, This is the whole point, is to hear you talk. Well, so. Somebody did some research on me, and they said, Sharon, do you know that you have more series on television than any other actress in the history of the medium? Wow. I said, no. They said, you and Cloris Leachman have done nine hit series. I said, I didn't know that. He says, well, you have. Cloris is gone now. Betty White has done 10. I said, well, then I'll just have to join Betty. <laughs> I'll do 10 meet Betty, and now Betty's gone. But I still want to match Betty on the 10, so I have one more in me. Okay. One more good one. So you don't want to just, like, kick back and retire and... No. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I love, I love, I love acting. I've been very blessed. Very, very blessed in this business. And I, I, have, I have one more. I, I don't know what else to do. I don't have children, you know? And that was deliberate. First of all, I think having children is the most awesome, the most daunting job, I say a woman, but that a parent could take on. To form another human being, I, I knew 
I probably wouldn't be the best at it. I had a fabulous mother, fabulous mother. And, but that's what she was. She was a mom and her, her whole life was us. Her three little chicks, I used to call them the little chicks. And I don't believe I could have done my professional job well and also have raised a child properly. I'm sure I would have been one of these mothers who said, I know this is going to put you in therapy for 20 years, <laughs> but no, you may not. <laughs> I mean, everyone ends up in therapy anyway, no matter who your parents it's are. You know, right? It doesn't matter how good you are. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I do think it's a, a daunting job and a very responsible job. And um, it wasn't, I, I, I'd rather take care of myself and my work and be honest to that. Well, that's, I mean, better to know it and act on it than try to I force. Do. I did. I did. I, well, when I was a teenager, you know, I wanted to please my grandmother. So I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry an attorney also, right? I'm going to marry an attorney and, and have beautiful children, much more beautifully behaved than I am. My children, I, I just, it was all about wanting to please her. Mm-hmm. And she didn't live long enough to see me become an actress. I have a little story you might enjoy. Please. Uh, my grandmother, this was not that long ago. I was at a psychic, a woman who actually is a medium. Mm-hmm. And she's very good at talking to those who've gone before us. She can totally imitate their voices. In it. And I said, may I ask you something, Julie? She said, certainly. I said, can you conjure my grandmother? She said, let me see. I said, well, she said, what do you want to know? I said, I want to know if she's proud of me now. I, you know, I have many awards. I've made considerable amount of money. I don't have to ask for anything from anybody. And I've made a success in my industry. Is she proud of me now? And the medium, you know, went down for a bit and came up. And she said, she said to tell you, Sharon, she's proud of you still. Aww. Is that the best? And I know that's what she would have said. I didn't imagine it at the time, but as soon as I heard it, of course, she was always proud of me. The fact that she was hard on me doesn't mean she wasn't proud of me. I love that. Mm. That's very touching. Isn't that good? I knew you'd like that. I don't even know you, but I'm looking at your face. You are right. I did like that. You knew I would, and I did. I've also completely started believing in mediums, by the way, after a few things that mediums have said about people who have passed. I used to be very skeptical, but no longer. I think it's um, it's an amazing if they're resource good. if they're good. It yeah. is. It is. Well, that's really wonderful. I mean, I think... Love is super. Com- I mean, this sounds ridiculous to say, but oh, I mean, love is love is very com- <laughs> love is complicated, right? The people who yeah. love us are sometimes flawed, and yet if they love us, like sometimes that's only all we can take away that they maybe maybe they didn't do their job the way we would have necessarily wanted or showed it in the ways that we would have needed on certain days or times. But you know, people have their own limits, and this is what they can give, and then we have to, you know, be the. <laughs> live through life knowing all that so right I was never like I'm very I was never abused I may have been emotionally abused a little by her because she was tough Mm -hmm. no she didn't she didn't cover me in velvet you know and and kindly give me her opinion she was rough yeah but I thank her I think my my mother was a very gentle gentle soul her daughter totally different my father was a bit of a scoundrel and hysterically funny and that's where I got my humor I've really 
I mean, if you hear like my life story, you go, ooh, but I've really been blessed. I'm still standing. I don't think ooh at all. I don't think anyone reading the book thinks ooh. That's why it's being popular. It's, you know, it's a, it's a journey of a very interesting, unique life. And it shows a whole time period passing by through your lens. It's fascinating. I think it's fascinating. And, you know, you, the reader can't help but really root for you. So I don't know. I thought it was great. Well, you're a very accomplished young woman. Oh, and thank I you. think that is a great compliment coming from you. Thank, thank you. you. That's yeah, nice of you to say. <laughs> really? Thank you. Thank you. Well, Sharon, last question for you. Do you have any advice for someone who is trying to write a book, having just survived this whole thing? You have to keep doing it because you want to stop. Get help. Get advice from people. Talk into, have somebody record you. Have somebody, uh, somebody suggested once. I didn't do it, but I think it's a great idea. Have your friends over one night. And have them ask you questions and put a recorder there. Mm. And you just start talking. Because information is going to come up. That if you sit all by yourself and just try to tell these stories, you're going to miss stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, get yourself on tape. Have somebody help you go through the tape. You know, find, find, the, find the good stories. I was informed by that title, which made it, Certainly not easy, but the title was apparently there were complaints. So that's where my attention mm -hmm. went. Know generally what you want to write about. Um, you may change your mind many times. Mm -hmm. I'd say if somebody's writing an, auto, an autobiography, are you saying, or are they writing a mystery novel? Because I don't know how to advise. No, no, that was great advice. That I, I love an that autobiography. Advice. I think you just have to keep telling the stories. Tell it on tape. Tell mm -hmm. it to your friends. Get it out there and start listening. You'll start to hear the the bore, the boring stuff. Boy, that almost put me to sleep. <laughs> and you'll hear things that remind you about other things and write. And ask your friends what they want to know. I knew by my own title uh, that it was about all the complaints about me. But it's not easy. You never do it alone. You have friends. You have friends who say that sucked. Or you talk to them, you talk to the machine, you talk, and you may need to get somebody to, to move subject matters, you know, into the right place. Mm -hmm. But it's important that it's your words. It's very much my voice. And that was important to me because people who know me know how I talk. Mm -hmm. I even had Simon and Schuster once say, you know, you're cleaning this up a bit. <laughs> you have a mouth on you. <laughs> We'd like a little more of that. And I swear to God, they wanted more, more swearing and more bombs in my book. I said, really? No one's ever told me that. So I was saying, Sharon, watch your mouth. <laughs> wow. I love that. Um, Sharon, thank you so much. This has oh, been such a joy. Thank you. I, I have so many wonderful things about you. And, and I hope I get a chance to talk to you again. I would love that. I would love that. I've done over 500 hours of television. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> very, very blessed. And, and what a treat to be on your show. Thank you. What a treat to have you. I appreciate uh, it. Okay. Congratulations on all you do for all of us. Thank you. You too. <laughs> I researched. I see that. that it, I am so flattered. Really. Made my day. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. 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 
Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.